Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to FFB Unwrapped, Episode 7. This is Perry Aston, joined by Adam Stark and special guest Mike Ortiz Jr. How you doing today, guys? I'm doing good. Yourself? Good, good. Great to be here, man. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Just a little bit about him. Official NBA and NFL media member. He is the owner and editor of DYST Now. Did you see that? Featured on ESPN, CBS Sports, and former writer at Bleacher Report. Just a pleasure to have you on, Mike. Established in your own. Thank you so much for joining us in your busy day. I know on the East Coast, too, so you guys made it work for me. I know you're in Detroit. You're in New York, Mike. I'm over here in sunny California. You guys are making this work on Pacific time for me. So I do appreciate that, guys. So just before we get in, we do have a sponsor today. want to thank rotosurance.com. Does your fantasy team have an injury bug? Are you in danger of losing your fantasy football investment? They have a solution for you. Rotosurance is the first year-long fantasy sports insurance company in the nation. They offer insurance coverage on your top players. If that player goes down for a total of eight games, you get paid your league investment back hassle-free. You can buy coverage on any of the top fantasy players for one-time premium fee. Don't risk losing your money this fantasy season due to injuries and insure your players at rotosurance.com. Our listeners actually get 20% off their purchase by using promo code Unwrapped. So go to rotosurance.com. You still can get it now for a one-time premium charge. For example, like Fournette or Ajay or any of these guys that we're talking about, if you put down that coverage in the beginning of the year or even now, they'll pay you back the investment that you put down for your fantasy league. That's huge. It's the first company to do that. Make sure to use your promo code Unwrapped. Before we jump in today, I wanted to remind you guys to follow us on Twitter at FFBUnwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. You can follow Adam on Twitter at EverydayFFB and Mike at OrtizDYST. You can listen to our podcast on podcast.com or the Apple Podcast app. Let's jump right in, guys. Let's start with Le'Veon Bell, his return coming soon to the Steelers. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on him, if you think he's going to be a Steeler. I know we brought this up in previous podcasts. You know, if he's going to be there for the rest of the year, if it's going to be a timeshare, if he does come back, what do you think is going to happen? I want to ask you first, Mike. Originally, I, I thought that Le'Veon Bell was going to come back around the Week 10 deadline that he needed to do just so he wouldn't have to go through all this next year. The part that kind of sucks in Bell's situation is he wants to be traded because he wants a he wants a contract that's long-term. And the problem is, is teams aren't really willing to take the, the risk because he might not be there at the end of the year for them. Right. You know, Bell might hold out. You know, he could still continue his whole, his whole out if he gets traded, if there's a situation that he doesn't want to play in, because he's still got to protect himself under the contract as well. I'm going to kind of piggyback off of James Harrison of what he had to say and how, you know, if he was Le'Veon Bell, he'd come back, he'd practice the whole week, and then Saturday comes, I'm good to go on Sunday. I think that could be a realistic thing that we could see happening here based off of what we just saw with Earl Thomas. Yeah, and that's unfortunate to see with Earl Thomas. And Le'Veon commented on his Instagram post when Earl Thomas was flipping off his team. Pretty much just feeling the situation. They both get it. They both are trying to protect their value. And Earl Thomas went out and played and got injured. And Le'Veon's still sitting here. His health is protected. His value is protected. And he still has the opportunity to present himself for a long-term deal because he's still on the field. Not like Earl Thomas, who will be apparently ready to go by... The off season, so he should be able to sign with any team, and he will be out of Seattle. But regardless, Le'Veon, it's just such a weird situation, especially with James Conner doing well. We were talking about it last podcast, where it's just been one week he does really well, the next week it's kind of really off, 
and then he really had a really good week last week. So people are back. Speaking of James Conner, I think it's a sell now for him. They have a week seven bye. Le'Veon's going to be coming back, and he just exploded for around 30 fantasy points, and I think you sell high in James Conner while he still has somewhat value because if Le'Veon comes back and he becomes a stealer and they make him stay a stealer, they sign him, he they don't trade him, etc., I think Le'Veon's going to get the bulk of the load. I don't see Connor being any way efficient if Le'Veon's back. I agree. Even with all the problems going on with Le'Veon and the team, he's the most skilled player in the backfield and probably on your team if it's going to be a debate with him and A.B. But for Le'Veon Bell, here's his first five games of 2017. 102 rushes, 27 receptions, three touchdowns, 515 total yards. James Conner's first five games of this year, 84 rushes, so less, 22 receptions, less, five touchdowns, more, 581 total yards, more. So the production is more for James Conner with even less volume than Le'Veon Bell was seeing. This may be a fluke because of easy matchups, probably with the inflation of last game playing a paper-thin Atlanta Falcons defense who cannot guard running backs out of the backfield for the life of them. If that's in regards to just running the ball or catching the ball in the backfield, you play running backs against the Falcons in fantasy football. That's just the Bible. I wanted to present those numbers for you guys and see what your heads were at because, yes, Le'Veon Bell gets more rushes, get more receptions, but... You know, two less touchdowns and roughly about 70 less yards through the first five games of last year compared to Connor's first five games of this year. I think the touchdowns are probably a little bit because when they get down to inside the five, they give it to James Connor. He got two short touchdowns last game, and I, I just don't see Le'Veon kind of being that real close inside the five type back. I mean, of course, they'll hand it to him, but I feel like James Conner would be more efficient just pounding it straight up the middle rather than Le'Veon dancing around. And he has been involved in the passing game too, James Conner, so it shows that he has the versatility that the Steelers need in that kind of offense. So Mike, what is your opinion on James Conner? If Le'Veon Bell comes back, who would you put in that backfield? If you're the Steelers, really, what do you do with Le'Veon Bell right now? Le'Veon Bell is going to give you, is going to allow you to give him a full workload. You submit him right in. If he comes back week seven, that's a bye week, so it gives him that time to rest up, and then they get a home game against the Browns after the bye week. Right. The Browns have a sneaky tough defense. They we're do. Seeing that they're top five fantasy defense. They've been stockpiling draft picks for the past couple of seasons, and high draft picks. So we we obviously know that they have a good defense. So I'm okay with seeing a mix there with Le'Veon Bell, but if Le'Veon Bell is going to be fully committed to you and running. To like ride out the rest of this season, you go with Le'Veon Bell, you use him while you can, you save James Conner's touches. I totally agree. You know, until you really need him for next year. The, the way that the, the Steelers are built is less, no doubt Le'Veon Bell is a great player, but he's not the missing piece that you need to win right. a championship. You know, Big Ben and AB and Juju and Vance McDowell now emerging as another passing option out there. Yeah. So they have to focus their money on the defensive side. So the Steelers are doing the right thing by not giving him a contract. I want to bring up Jay Ajayi. He's been placed on the IR, so he's out for the year with a knee injury he suffered in the game against the Vikings, which he got clobbered in. What does this mean for fantasy owners for the Eagles? I know we're going to speak about our fire waiver wire in a little bit, but obviously Eagles running backs behind him, the value and stock is rising significantly. But what does this mean for the Eagles, fantasy owners, and Ajayi? I think it's a tough blow for any Ajayi owner because you saw he had flashes of talent. You saw he could be that guy. And there was always that lingering spinal injury that everyone thought 
that would be the injury to knock him out rather than an ACL, although he has had lots of ACL problems in the past. Sadly, I think this could be the end of JHIE just because he's had too many issues with just ACL injuries. He had an ACL procedure not go right in college. It was some of the reasons why his draft stock fell. And I think the Eagles are going to try to pursue all the options they have before they officially declare Clement, Smallwood, or even trade for a running back as their number one. Yeah, it's an interesting situation, piggybacking from the Le'Veon Bell talk. Keeping him in state, him going over there, it's just perfect timing. Do they make a move for him? Does a move like the Jets make sense to you, Mike? People were actually talking about the Jaguars and using him for the rest of the year since they were in the cap space that needed to take on the rest of his contract for the year. But now they went out and signed Charles, which will piggyback us into our next one. But what do you think right now of that? As far as the Ajayi situation goes, this is a good time for people that own courts in that or Wendell Smallwood. And, and here's why. You can kind of fool some people in your league that might not be as involved in the news as, you, as we are. Right. Um, if you read in between the lines, you already see the reports out there. You saw them earlier about Le'Veon Bell. You see them now about LaShawn McCoy. Th- this isn't any surprise here. Obviously, the Eagles. What this is showing me is the Eagles aren't confident in either one of those two backs. And the thing is, is if they don't make a trade happen, they're going to look to the free agency for a bell cow type of running back. And obviously the Eagles, you know, they don't really have, a, they, they haven't really had a need for a bell cow type of running back in the past couple of years. But what it's telling me is, is they know they need some value at the running back position. Yeah. And it's not going to be Clement or Smallwood, so how much more of those two, I'm selling on them. Another guy I'm just going to throw out there that the Eagles might sign. I haven't heard anything about it. just a guy that came to mind. But Mark Ingram, he looked fantastic last night. Two touchdowns in his first game back. And with Kamara, that who's just been exploding this year, I couldn't imagine the Saints not listening to offers for him. It's funny that you said that because when I was watching it last night, too, I was like, okay, this, this could be interesting. You know, Mark Ingram looks great coming off his suspension. And obviously... Towards the end of the game there, it was kind of out of reach. You could tell the Redskins' defense was gassed, and they really favored getting Ingram more carries just because, you know, you need to get him back in rhythm. But he looked great. So he definitely had a lot of trade value. I think if I'm the Saints, though, I have the whole. Ingram is so interesting, and these are notes that I have here for the whole split with him and Kamara because we were talking about this on the last podcast, Adam, with us taking it easy, at least on the first game with Mark Ingram, just to see how they reincorporate and to see how Kamara his value is going to be with Ingram coming back into the lineup. Yes, we saw last year they had the potential to both finish as top five, top ten running backs in fantasy. So this shouldn't absolutely kill Kamara. But from the results of this last game, this was a lot more lopsided than I expected. Routes ran. Kamara had 16 and Ingram had 9. That's the only thing that Kamara is going to win on these numbers that I'm about to regurgitate to you guys. Because the Saints running backs in Week 5, Mark Ingram, 36 of 66 snaps played, 56%. 16 rushes for 53 yards, two touchdowns, plus he caught two passes for 20 yards on three targets. Kamara, that's his bread and butter. He had three catches on four targets for 15 yards, so less yards on one more target, one more catch. He doesn't even have that over Ingram right now because he played 31 of 66 snaps, 45%, 11% less than Ingram, six rushes, so 10 rushes less than Ingram. 24 yards, so roughly about 30 yards less than Ingram, and no touchdowns, so two touchdowns less than Ingram. That's called dominance from the numbers. That's a number one running back, and then a backup running back who's more of a pass specialist. So if you're a Kamara owner who's put your team around him, this is a time 
in my opinion, for you to feel extremely unconfident. Because I'm not a Kamara owner myself. I like him a lot in PPR because of the fact that he's so versatile. We read it last podcast, a thousand rushing yards, thousand receiving yards in his first 20 games is the first NFL players to do that. So he's so talented. It's just, are they going to use Ingram like this? And that leads to what we were just talking about. Will they trade Ingram? Is this a kind of player that you can get value from because you have Kamara, which is a much better long-term plan? That's a quick question I'm going to give to you guys. If you're the Saints, do you go with Kamara long-term, or do you really try and work with the two of them? I think it's a thunder and lightning type deal. That's what they've been running it as. That's how they kind of made that playoff run and almost made it to the Super Bowl and NFC Championship. But I just think they stick with Kamara and Ingram rather than trading Ingram, unless they get something crazy good for Ingram, but they just looked like a one-two punch last night, and maybe things change over the bye week, but I just think they they should ride with those two guys and and not make a trade. Yeah, so we were going to talk about Des Bryant, but you know, we talked a little bit longer than we were hoping for. I'm just going to bring up some real quick things, because I know he keeps tweeting about returning at some point soon, signing with the team. Cowboys have number one priority, but they show that they're not very interested right now, and they should be. And now he's looking towards other places, if that may be. But, of course, the Cowboys still have priority. He's talking about it. I was just curious, is he still a fantasy-relevant wide receiver when he comes back? He's not 2012-2014, Des, to where he had at least in those three years span 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, three years in a row. Last year was his highest amount of targets, 132, catches 69 after 2014, two injury-riddled seasons for 2015-2016, only played like half the season, three-quarters of the season, and his numbers were not bad at all for the year that he returned, and the two years he's been with Dak Prescott, he's caught the second lowest percentage of passes last year after 2016, which was the lowest, both with Dak Prescott. So with a great quarterback, Des Bryant is a number one wide receiver with Dak Prescott, he is a flex play, wide receiver too, and Des Bryant has the talent to go lead a receiving core anywhere. And that's the numbers that I wanted to bring up just for him because I am a Des Bryant fan, and I do believe that he still will have a spot in the NFL. Do you guys disagree? I completely agree that Des still has a spot in the NFL. Des would be on a team right now. But for fantasy, does he have a spot for fantasy relevance is the better question. Oh, yeah. yeah. You have to hold on to him because, I mean, Dez would be on a team right now right. if it wasn't for his love for the Dallas Cowboys. He turned down multiple contracts still with a little bit of glimmer of hope that he could return to Dallas. He doesn't even want to be marked as the savior of this team as the Cowboys sit at 2-3, and three, clearly don't have a number one receiver. They don't have a guy that they can throw the 50-50 balls to. But then on the flip side, if you look at what Dez is doing, and he's making himself very readily available on social media. He's posting a bunch of stuff, a bunch of videos on his Instagram. Des looks great, and he's got a chip on his shoulder, too. This is going to be, obviously, he's not going to have a career season this year because of how how many games are going to be left, probably when he gets on that team and gets accustomed to their system. But as far as the back half of the season, he could have a career year as far as that's judged. Yeah, he's determined. He's athletic. He's that kind of guy that when he has the ball in his hands, he can do so much. He is active in the punt return game, kick return game, even if you need him. So Des Bryant is a star. I'm a Cowboys fan personally, so I miss him, and I'd love him to come back to the boys. Jason Garrett, you know, eat shit. You should need to get fired. Jerry Jones needs to open up his eyes and figure out that this team clearly doesn't work without proper offensive weapons, no matter how good your defense is or no matter how good Zeke Elliott is. They can't do it on their own. I'm going to run through some fantasy football notes, kind of quick hot takes that I have, and chime in whenever you guys want to comment on them, guys. Zach Ertz scored a touchdown. 
Adam. Yeah. Adam. There you go, Perry. Adam. That's what I'm talking about, guys. I put my money on this. I told you guys. I believe I said all my savings, or you guys can hit me up in my DMs. Come, kick, yeah, come beat you up. Come find me. Come, come kick my up. ass. Yeah, I promised you Zach Ertz was going to score a touchdown this week, and he did. And that's it was the last touchdown of the game. Adam texted me, so excited. I just had that gut feeling. It was something that I had to just promise you guys, and I, I feel good about that. So Zach that was Ertz, a great catch, too. Back great. shoulder corner of the end zone it was just a great grab and it showed it actually showed some fantasy value yes. even for him even though he's valued very high it showed he can go up and get those jump balls in the end zone so and now maybe Carson Wentz will start looking for that he's getting so many targets too so for exactly standard PPR any format Zach Ertz is an appealing player to have and as Wentz continues to you really get healthier and healthier as the year goes on and feel more comfortable with his leg injury and with Ertz and his rapport with Wentz already. I expect such a big year from Ertz. There is nine quarterbacks averaging at least 40 passing attempts a game and 11 quarterbacks in the league averaging at least 300 passing yards a game. Rivers has 299, which makes it 12 quarterbacks if you count that. Luck has 298. So that makes it 13 quarterbacks if you count that too. They're just one and two yards off from 300 a game. Guys, that's insane. The air raid offense is back. It's great for fantasy. We were talking about this in a previous podcast. But I'm talking 10 to 13 guys that are averaging rather 40 passing attempts a game or over 300 passing yards. That's a ton of volume. It doesn't mean the running game is gone at all. It just means that there's just offense, offense, offense. And the dominance of the defense isn't really there as much this year. I mean, the defense, there's still strong defenses around. Uh, Mike, you were just saying, you know, the Browns is very sneaky top five defense, the Ravens, the Jaguars, but the Vikings don't look like the defense that they did last year, and instead it's the complete other end of the spectrum. A lot of these teams that usually have that dominant defense just doesn't seem like it's holding up this year against the New York. Yeah, I 100% agree, Perry. Just because you think about it, the Eagles, the Vikings, even the Jaguars, none of them have really had stellar games. I right. Mean, Jaguars picked up Mahomes twice, but still, they let up 30 points. Uh, the Vikings got not blown out, but let up a huge game against Jared Goff. The Eagles just let up 20-plus points against uh, the Vikings. It's just There isn't really a constant dominant defense like there was last year in the Jaguars. Mike, I'm going to ask you a question. Is this a correlation of the rule changes, especially with safeties not being able to hit correctly anymore and with D-linemen, linebackers, etc.? not be able to hit the quarterback correctly. Now they have to avoid the roughing the passer penalties. Is this a reason why I guess you could consider defenses a little bit softer this year? No, it has actually nothing to do with that. Okay. That rule ball. And, and to be honest, and, and I would even take this off as a hot take, when we're going through our preseason shows and we're doing those, I told everybody that was for their draft plan, save the quarterback position. Of course. This should be a crazy year of the quarterback because if you look at every NFL team, I can strongly say that right now there's 30 NFL teams that have a quarterback that I think could go out there and get a win Monday and that can actually produce and throw the football. Like last year, we had Brock Osweiler out there. We had a bunch of injuries and stuff like that where you're like, okay, these guys aren't going to win a game. These guys aren't going to be fantasy relevant. So I knew there was options there to keep the quarterback kind of in the back of your mind. Like, I, I got Mahomes late in drafts. While I, I stockpiled on RBs and wide receivers. I totally agree. That was something we said in our draft strategy podcast. You know, when you're thinking about drafting a quarterback, think again and wait. And then when you think about it again, wait even more and continue to wait until you hit around round 10. And that's when you can start thinking about it. But 
I never am a fan of wasting any rounds between five, seven, eight, nine, any of those really with a quarterback nowadays with the amount of production that you can get later on in the draft when you can you know use your more valued picks on position players where you're going to need more depth there than instead of quarterback. I totally agree with you. Todd Gurley, 101 rushing attempts. Carlos Hyde, 100. They're both the two running backs to hit that amount so far this year, both averaging 20 attempts a game. That's a heavy workload. Zeke and Hunt with both 93 each. I wanted to bring that up. Carlos Hyde is a guy on my team personally. I've been a very pleasant surprise. RB2 numbers. Gurley is just doing girly things. He's the reason why I lost in fantasy this last week for the first time in my home league. So, Yes, the mighty Perry went down this week, but it's okay. I'll be back. But Gurley scored three tubs. It's okay. That the offense is absolutely ridiculous. Kareem Hunt, remember, guys, to go follow our Twitter page at FFB Unwrapped, as well as Adams at Everyday FFB for that signed Kareem Hunt hat that we're going to be giving away on the Monday night football game. It's going to be the Rams versus Chiefs game. So make sure to keep an eye out for that and retweet that tweet and follow us to be eligible for that signed Kareem Hunt Chiefs hat. Carlos Hyde, Alvin Kamara, James Conner, Isaiah Correll, all with five touchdowns on the ground through five weeks. Antonio Brown, Cooper Cup, A.J. Green, and Eric Ebron, all with five receiving touchdowns through five games. And I want to bring up one guy and highlight him. Isaiah Crowell, 57 attempts, 390 yards, which is third in the league behind Zeke and Gurley. And he's only doing it on 57 attempts. I just got done telling you guys that Zeke had 93. Carlos Hyde and Gurley each have 100 now. Crowell has 57, but he's third in the league in rushing yards. That's 6.8 yards a carry. Five touchdowns. That's RB1 numbers. Absolutely. And I'm not going to tell you right now that Isaiah Crowell should be your number one. Because if he's your RB1 and you don't have anyone better than that normally on your roster, I'm not feeling good about my running backs. If you have Crowell on your team, this is the most pleasant surprise of fantasy so far of the year for me. He's my fantasy gem so far this year, if I may. Is there anyone, guys, for you that has been your guy this year that's really stood out that you didn't expect to really perform at this kind of level? Adam, I'm going to ask you first. Is there a guy for you? Well, mine is actually Pat Mahomes, who is probably a lot for everyone. But yeah. I, I actually have a funny story behind mine because I drafted Carson Wentz thinking he was going to be a great quarterback and only going to miss about one week. It caused me to go out and get a quarterback, and guess who that was? Pat Mahomes. It actually really, really worked out for me. John Brown, he's really stepped it up. He just yeah. kind of been sneakily good. You're starting to see that he's become Flacco's go-to guy in the red zone and just go-to guy all around. Which is crazy because he's known to just be a one-trick pony where he just goes deep and that's it. But he's had efficient red zone targets. It's not a fluke. This is something where Flacco looks to him when it comes down to the red zone as well as deep passes. So he's a guy with a lot of upside. He used to be just boomer bust. I would say now he is still, I guess, in that family of boomer bust, but more towards being a flex play week in and week out, not having to just cross your fingers. Adam Thielen with 47 receptions and Michael Thomas with 46 receptions leads the league, both PPR monsters, both over 500 yards, Thielen with 589 and Thomas with 519. Hopkins is first with 594, barely over Thielen. Those are three of six players averaging over 100 receiving yards a game. That goes back to the stats I was reading at first. It's just the air raid offense nowadays. You have 
six players right now averaging 100 receiving yards a game through five games. That's not normal. Yes, it's not out of this world, but that's a solid number and shows the kind of volume going on, and it makes fantasy football more exciting. Plain and simple. Any more hot takes, trends, or anything like that going around fantasy football that you've really noticed that you wanted to bring up? One of the fantasy trends that we kind of touched on, I guess kind of in the hot takes, was the one I was ready to share on the show was, you know, if you want a great quarterback and you're 0-5, 1-4, even 2-3, and trade your quarterback for a position in need because... There's still free agent quarterbacks out there that you could pick up right now that I'd be okay with you rolling with the remainder of the year. I mean, Andy Dalton's out there who's a guy that is putting up high numbers, productivity. There's a lot of guys that you can go out and grab Jameis Winston, another guy who's coming back now taking the reins from Fitzmagic. I liked what your take was for the draft strategy. It's just pointless to go for a quarterback so early in the draft when you can go with one later that will still put up the same kind of productivity like a Kirk Cousins, like a Ben Roethlisberger, or a Stafford even, to where you can grab them rounds 10, 11, 12, and really use the rest of your picks early on for more needs are a little bit more pressing for you. Uh, We're going to go week five, game through game. Mike, I'm going to run each one of them through you. You kind of give me your takes on each one. Thursday, Colts-Patriots, Patriots 38, Colts 24. That was a game that we kind of all expected. I mean, Tom Brady, he was, you know, getting ready to close in on his milestone. They always had that luck, that rap with the Colts because they were the ones that Robert Kraft and them thought the ones that started to play gate were the Colts. So every time they play the Colts, their objective is to beat them as much. Many and the whole McDaniels situation this last offseason yeah. just and, recreated that. Yep, and you get the McDaniels situation. That game one is expected. I agree with you. Let's go Cowboys, uh, Cowboys, Texans. 16 to 19 Texans. What do you think about this game? Who's your fantasy players for this? I know you're bringing up Dak Prescott a little bit earlier and Zeke. This game was nice to see if if you need a tight end. And Jeff Swain is one of those guys that hasn't produced any numbers yet, but he's on the verge. Yeah. And being a Cowboys fan, uh, I'm sure you've noticed that the amount of like significant routes that all of our receivers, tight ends, have ran. Swain's ran the most ones. Yes. And Dak missed on him a couple times here. Last week, I saw we came out in the first quarter and, you know, we hit Swain on a deep ball. I was like, okay, they're starting to get the chemistry out. Yeah. So I honestly thought he'd have a better game against the Texans who have struggled to cover the tight end position this year so far. So, point of that. There was a couple guys, on. too, that I was wondering who was going to take the lead because there was that Dalton Schultz who they drafted at Stanford. They have Rico Gathers who's converted basketball yeah. player out of Baylor that's been on and off the team for quite a while now, three or four years. And then they have Jeff Swain. So to see him take that role now with Witten out, it's exciting to see as a Cowboys fan and for fantasy owners for now that tight end. The tight end position is such a wasteland and everybody's injured. So to see anybody putting up any productivity, that's a great sign for you for tight ends. Any other last-minute notes for the Cowboys-Texans? Out for blue. 20 attempts in that game. The Cowboys front seven is really good. The Cowboys defense as a whole is actually very good this year. But that, that's what you want to look at, 20 attempts. He totally. should get that guy forward. Yeah, he's, uh, he's on our fire waiver wire. He was last last week as well. Titans, Bills. Bills edged this one out 13-12. to 12. Not a very exciting game. What do you put on this one for fantasy? Do you kind of stay away from these guys? I was very high on Marcus Mariota coming into that game. And I left very disappointed. I agree. Not mad, just disappointed. <laughs> I'm not mad at you. I'm just upset and disappointed, and that's it. You need to go in the corner and cry. <laughs> um, Bills, do you stay away from all Bills players? Yeah. You know yeah. what? I thought maybe things would switch when Josh Allen came in this year. 
I was like, you know what? Show me a little glimmer of hope against the Vikings where I was like, maybe this guy thinks, you know, he, he can beat their guy. But no, I, I stick by my gut of how I felt in the preseason that Josh Allen was not their guy. Just to really go back really quickly to Tennessee, the reason why I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in that offense is I, I really honestly thought that this would be Derrick Henry's coming out here. I really thought that Corey Davis would show Me up. and you both, Mike. Yeah. Derrick Henry, I thought for sure he was – Especially if Deion Lewis couldn't produce, and he really hasn't since that first game. Derrick Henry's been getting the carries. He just he hasn't really been doing anything with them. That was what, Adam, didn't, didn't you promise a week. touchdown? Didn't you promise a touchdown this week on Twitter for Derrick Henry? Yes. Yeah, I, I did. I certainly <laughs> did. Okay. I, I, my promise was wrong, unlike some fantasy experts. My Earth my <laughs> promise was correct. His was wrong. I'm going to get a W this week. He's going to take the L. But next, we're going to make another promise on Twitter, both of us each, and we'll see who wins up this one too but yeah Derrick Henry it needs to be doing a lot more with these touches especially with an offense that's so weird with the passing game right now to have a consistent running game will really help the balance of this Titans team the Bills stay far away from any of them if you have McCoy don't drop him but you shouldn't be starting him either Falcon Steelers Steelers 41 Falcon 17 what do you take from this it was a shootout for the Steelers, but it wasn't a shootout from Atlanta. Um, Matt Ryan, yet again, I'm not even going to say he disappointed me because I expect it now. After I saw the way that Atlanta played the Eagles on opening night, I flat out came out and said, I said, I looked at the Falcons' schedule. And I told people, I said, listen, the Falcons are going to be a 12-loss team this year. Wow. And people called me crazy for it. But if you look at Matt Ryan, if you actually watch him play, He's missing throws that I confidently can make, and I can't throw a football probably more than <laughs> that. You can, that you confidently can make. That's <laughs> hilarious. And the thing that's weirding me out is the Calvin Ridley disparity with Julio Jones, especially with the touchdowns. It's so weird to see. I don't know if this is a Sarkeesian thing with the kind of plays that he's running, if that's just a Matt Ryan thing or a Julio Jones thing. I'm not sure what it is now, but Julio Jones hasn't scored a touchdown in a very, very long time. So I'm not sure what's up with that. Yes, he's an amazing receiver. He's still top five in my opinion. But is playing with Matt Ryan really hurting him? Kind of like the stats I read with Des Bryant. You know, he had great numbers, but the lowest catch rates with Dak. Success personally, but not much help from the quarterback position. Is this kind of a similar situation? This is what the way I look at it, that situation is we, we don't really know what Dak is yet. But we kind of know what Matt Ryan is. Yeah. Kind of get a yeah with with Matt Ryan. It hasn't really been the play calling because there's been throws. And the one that will be stuck in my head for the rest of the year is the goal line throw. The goal Ryan line. To Devontae Green yep. For a touchdown against the Eagles opening night. That's the throw that is stuck in my head and why I'm, I can confidently say this, this team has a really good shot at being a 12-loss team. The flip side with the Cowboys, not even speaking from a fan's perspective, it is the play calling. And I, and I get it. Dak is missing some throws, but he's missing a guy, Des Bryant, who he was used to having as a, a guy that's going to be there for 50-50 balls, and Jason Witten, who's the, the safety outlet. I mean, they, people hate on Dak Prescott, but I believe he has four interceptions this year, and all four of them have went off the wide receiver's hands. So none yeah. of them... None of them have really been on him. He's more of like a Tarod Taylor to me. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but he isn't flashy and you want more. And I think that's a Jason Garrett thing. That's just my personal opinion. It and, is because you got to look at Michael Gallup, and I, and I don't want to get off on a tangent on the Cowboys. I could talk about him for hours. Oh, that's cool. I, I, we could have a Cowboys podcast after this if you'd like. <laughs> but, I mean, Michael Gallup, I, I think he needs to be the guy going forward if they're not going to make him move. The way they connected with Dak in preseason, he's a rookie. He's going to have his ups and downs. But... 
you got to stick with them for the rest of the year. Yep. Broncos, Jets. Jets 34, Broncos 16. Give me your quick take on this. This is great. So there's two waiver wire people I like in there a lot. One of them is Robbie Anderson. Sam Darnold is another guy who's a rookie. He's going to have his ups and downs. Earlier in the year, I said Quincy Newman was the guy to own because Darnold had that relationship, that repertoire with him, that chemistry with him. Robbie Anderson was soon going to develop it, and he would be a guy to target later on in the year. It's time to target him now. Robbie Anderson's going to be a monster going forward. I'm not saying Darnold's a must-own, but Darnold has potential, too. I can, I can um, never say his name anymore without thinking of what I just heard the other day. I was listening to the Fantasy Footballers podcast. It's a podcast I enjoy listening personally. They always like to make funny stuff for each one of these players. One of them was like, Donald Schwarzenegger. He's like, get him to the end zone. Get him to the end zone. Like, ah! And every time I think of it now, I can never watch Darnold and not just think, going all full Terminator to the end zone. So he'll always be the Darnold-nator to me or whatever we can call him. Just, just... <laughs> Just wanted to bring that one up really quick. <laughs> but yeah, Robbie Anderson's interesting just because of his legal issues. But on the flip side, another guy I really like is Cortland Sutton. I think he's going to be a guy that moving forward, is, it could end up being Case Keenum's favorite guy. Obviously, Emmanuel Sanders, I think, might turn into more of a Julian Edelman type of style. And I think Sutton might be the, what I think Josh Gordon's going to be in New England. He's like 9% owned in Yahoo Fantasy Football Leagues. This is a guy that you could plug and play in your lineup. I think move forward, he played 59 snaps, offensive snaps, that's 77% of the snaps. So this is a guy I think is going to be good moving forward. I agree. Jaguars, Chiefs, Chiefs 30, Jaguars 14. What's your take on this? My take on this was, okay, Patrick Mahomes, he didn't put up great fantasy numbers this game, obviously. But we look at Jacksonville on paper. And on the field, it's one of the hardest defenses to play. The reason why I didn't think they'd be a great fantasy football defense this year is because I just don't think that they're a good overall team. Yeah. But as far as I'm, as far as what I saw from Mahomes, he's going to be the best fantasy quarterback moving forward. At the end of the year, he'll be the highest scoring fantasy quarterback because I like the way that he played against this Jaguars team. And I'm going to credit a lot to, obviously, Andy Reid, but I'm okay with Mahomes, the way he played, and it proved to me that he's going to be the guy, he's going to be the top guy at the end of the year. I'm going to credit some of this to the Chiefs' defense, too, because the defense is not very good notoriously, and they played a lot better than they have in past. And, you know, the, I know Fournette's not in right now, and they are injury-riddled, but still, at the same time, 30-14 to is a convincing win. Pat Mahomes is a leader, and I really like this squad. Yeah. You, Adam, Adam, I'm going to let you run with the Packers-Lions game because we just, me and Mike, had our Cowboys tangent together. I know <laughs> you're a Lions fan. I'm going to let you kind of talk about this one. They just pulled out that victory over the Packers. Tell me what you think about this one, Adam. Well, first, I just want to thank the MVP, Mason Crosby, for the win. Uh, that was that That's was a low blow. That's it a was, low blow. I mean, I wouldn't say it to any other kicker, but he's a Packers kicker, and Lions and Packers just, <laughs> I don't care, you know. That was so, unbelievable. I cannot believe he shanked that many. He even changed his shoe midway through the game. Did he really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was like a, it was like a white-colored shoe, and then he switched it to a straight black. And he, I mean, at that point, what do you got to do? <laughs> just blame everything else around you? Because you can't make any other adjustments. You adjust it left, yeah, yeah. it's going right. You know, you adjust right, it's going left. It's just... I guess it's the shoe at that point. Lions fans actually started chanting MVP during after he missed his third one. It was incredible. But let's get back to the better fancy players. And Aaron Rodgers, he looked a lot better than I think people thought. Going up against the tough Lions pass defense, had a lot of banged up receivers, really only had Devontae Adams going. But he managed to go off, and he kind of owned Slay this week. He did. Another weird thing that I noticed was Aaron Jones didn't touch the ball in the second half. He had seven carries for 40 yards in the first half, 
and it was all Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery the rest of the way. I'm not sure if that was game script as if they were just trailing and needed to come back with players who could make plays out of the backfield, you know. It's just uh, McCarthy McCarthy being an idiot. That's really it because Aaron Jones is clearly the best running back that he has. Yeah, I think that too. It was just, it was really weird. Stafford looked great. He just had two touchdowns vultured from Blunt. If he had thrown those two touchdowns, Stafford would have would have had a great week, even though he still had a, a solid week. Blunt really killed Carrion Johnson with those two goal line touches. That was tough because, you know, Carrion Johnson owners, they just keep hoping that he's going to have any sort of increased role in this offense because when he gets the touches, it's productive. And, you know, getting LeGarrette Blunt having those two touchdowns shows why they brought him in for those kind of positions right there. But it's definitely tough if you're a Carrion Johnson owner, in my opinion. Uh, what do you think about Golden Tate, Galladay, and Marvin Jones? It was pretty dispersed. Uh, That's how it's been. I think Kenny Galladay had an amazing, amazing touchdown catch, and he had another. He had that huge forty-yard run that led to a touchdown with the stiff arm. With that stiff uh, arm, uh, yeah. Clinton-Dix. Yeah, that and was that was a manly stiff arm right there. That haha, Clinton Dix has a family. Galladay, come on. Exactly. Yeah, I, was, I thought he was Chris Conti out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Galladay Galladay and Kerryon Johnson are looking very, very promising for Lions owners and fantasy owners of Dynasty Leagues. I think these guys could be running the Lions with Stafford in the next coming years. I agree with you. Mike, Ravens, Browns, Browns 12, Ravens 9, Browns are winning games. It's crazy. What do you think about this game fantasy-wise? It shows to me that Joe Flacco... Is just not an NFL starting quarterback. He's just meh. You know what I mean? That's the only word I can think of when I think of Flacco. It's just like, eh. You know, he has good games sometimes, and he can do it, but he's still living off that Super Bowl run. It's just meh. That's it. And Lamar Jackson's not the savior. I know that we haven't seen a lot of Lamar Jackson, but I've seen enough of his throws. And that throw that he had in that game, oh, it was just, it was awful. The Ravens, they're 3-2, but they're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. And it's just interesting to see the Browns, the quick, the turnaround that they've had this year, it's remarkable to see. And I know they've had a ton of close games, but them being competitive and having a defense that you said is very sneaky good, but also an offense that's very sneaky good. And Baker Mayfield's just now learning the offense and the players that are around him. Najoku is finally starting to break out like I was talking about. He's a guy I'm very high on that hasn't even scored yet. So wait until that happens. But every week so far, it's just more targets, more yards, more receptions. The Browns, it's a much better place to be than years past. And the Ravens, their defense is stellar, so I'm going to give them that one. And if you're playing the defense of the Ravens, like I said last podcast, it's not going to be an easy week for you. So watch the guys that you're playing against that Ravens defense, especially adding Jimmy Smith back, because in my opinion, that's the best member of their defense. Panthers 33, Giants 31. Mike, what do you take from this? Well, it showed me that Eli Manning was still alive. It showed um, me that Odell can throw better than Eli Manning, too. Odell's pass yeah. to Saquon Barkley. That was crazy. That was a crazy throw. I love the play calling there. I think the Giants' offense might start to actually come together. And they have a good chance to keep that streak going, that hot streak going, on Thursday night against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I expect Eli Manning to continue that. I really do. I, I think Eli Manning is a guy now that if you really need a quarterback, you can trust him going forward. I, I strongly believe that. I know it sounds completely crazy, but they should have won that game against Carolina. You guys did watch that game. They made a couple silly mistakes, but then they had a couple really bad flags and really altered that game. I give that as a win for the Giants. But for, from a fantasy perspective, you know, obviously Christopher McCaffrey is going to be good moving forward. Giants, 
the Giants' defense played well. Cam Newton, he still concerns me. I was expecting a lot more with North Turner. No, I agree with you. The Giants are a team that has a lot of potential on the offensive side, but releasing Eric Flowers, now he's on waivers. This is a guy that they're going to need to find someone to fill in for his role on the offensive line. He hasn't been getting it done, and they need to really help with that pass protection. And with Saquon Barkley, he's just finally starting to come into his own. All right, we're going to fly through the rest of these. Dolphins-Bengals, 27-17. What do you take from this, Mike? Andy Dalton is a must-own must own fantasy quarterback. A.J. Green is obviously a beast. Joe Mixon, a beast. I'm not taking any chances on anybody else. Frank Gord, don't buy into it. Kenyon Drake, sell, sell, sell. While you can, Kenny Stills, leave him on the free agency. Can't help if he sucks. I agree. Uh, Chargers, Raiders, 26-10. to 10. What do you take from this one? The Raiders. They play great one week, terrible the next week. So for next week, start Jerry Cook, start Marshawn Lynch, start Amari Cooper. But no, the, the, the Chargers played great. Phil Rivers, he looked good. Keen Allen. Mike Williams, he's making me a little nervous now. But. And the Cardinals finally get a victory right now over the 49ers, 28-18. Uh, to 18, A What do you think about this game? The one thing I want to highlight is Breida and Morris with Breida going down with yet another injury. But give me your take on Cardinals 49ers. Well, the Cardinals are finally starting to trust their best player. David Johnson. Yep. Isn't that crazy to think? They're actually starting to trust their, their superstar player. It's crazy. Uh, David Johnson, time to buy if you still can. I said last week I wanted people to buy on David Johnson if they could. you got to buy on David Johnson now. Christian Kirk needs to be the guy moving forward. Try to sell Fitzgerald if you can. But if you can't, I, I still think he has some pretty good value there. I think Rosen, he's not bad. He's not great. Well, I, I think he'll be able to get the job done. I think he's a guy that, that can move the chains. Yeah, side, I, I think he's exciting. And on the flip side, Alfred Morris is a guy that you're going to need to pick up. If you pick them up and still hold on to him earlier in the year, he's now looking like the guy that we thought he's going to be. Obviously, with injuries, though, are also helping that. But Yeah, we got Vikings-Eagles. What do you think about this one? Because we just talked about J.H.I. going down, and the Vikings pulled it through on the defensive side, You know, 23-21. to What do you think about this game? Well, for starters, if you drafted the Eagles fantasy defense before 10th round, you're an idiot. If you drafted any defense before the 10th round, I think you're an idiot, personally. There's people out there that reached on the Eagles defense, thought they were going to be great this year. I wish they listened, that they were not going to be good this year. There's still a lot of questions on the secondary side. They don't have a safety, and they like to play high safety. They like to play their safety high 83% of the time, and they're not good when they they play like that to switch something up defensively. But no. Thielen, Diggs, obviously those were our guys that we, we, we all thought were gonna look good. Kirk Cousins, you know, thirty or thirty seven, one touchdown. It was a it was a gritty game. Thielen's a monster and it's such a great story too, with him getting yep. like what was it, a half scholarship to like Minnesota State University or something and then just mm-hmm. getting cut from I believe it was a practice squad, him going getting an internship to sell medical supplies and then making the Vikings practice squad and becoming a star. Just such a cool story to hear. And Adam Thielen, you could tell, such a humble guy. Love him and, of course, such a Minnesota guy. It's such a perfect fit there. I think him and Kirk Cousins, the rapport is so clear, and it's going to be such a great fit for the rest of their careers, really, in my opinion. Rams, Seahawks. I'm out here in L.A. I'm a Cowboys fan, yeah, but of course I'm a Rams fan, too. This is a team that I believe is going to go to the Super Bowl this year. We made our predictions at first. Uh, The first podcast that we did have, I actually predicted the Rams to beat the Jaguars. 
Uh, they beat the Seahawks this week, 33-31. to 31. This offense is insane. The defense for the Rams isn't exactly what we were all thinking. What do you take from this game, Mike? Pump the brakes on the Los Angeles, on the Los Angeles Rams. Okay. Um, you pump the brakes. Why is that? Here, here's why. They, they played, and listen, I like what they're doing out there. It, it's great to see, but they, they got luck. They opened up the first four games in California. At, at Raiders, I get it's an away game. And they get the next three at the Coliseum. They had the Cardinals. They had the Raiders, who we, we know is not we know is not that good. A banged up Chargers defense with no Bosa. The Vikings defense hasn't, hasn't proved anything. But I really thought that was a game Seattle should have won on the road. Golf didn't look that great to me. Golf looked um, like Golf to me. People think Golf's this messiah now that he's playing in the best you know set offense ever because McVeigh is just the best at putting chess pieces where they have to be to make yep. players that aren't as good as they actually are look amazing. And Goff is balling out. Cup is balling out. Every person that he's able to throw out there, Gurley. It does, Gurley's an amazing running back, one of the best players in the league. But if he wasn't on the Rams, he wouldn't be having the same success. And that's just because of Sean McVay. But you're right. Goff isn't the Messiah. And I think he looked a bit more like Goff. But I think any quarterback can fit in Sean McVay's offense. I think Sean McVay is going to be one of the best coaches of all time, down, down, down the line. He's 30-something years old. He's got a ton of coaching left in him, and you see what he's doing off the bat. He's changing the game. He's a big reason why this offense around the league is changing as well. He came in last year, made the Rams zero to hero, completely changed them from like the last three top five, uh, sorry, the last three, last five in the league for every offensive statistic, to the opposite end of the spectrum, top three, top five. And I think other teams are getting envious. Other teams are seeing you need to you know, pass the ball more. You need to spread the ball more. And this has just been a league-wide trend as well as the rule changes. The defense is having to soften up. You know, The roughing the passer calls being crazy this year. I think quarterbacks are just having the time of their lives. And a guy like Sean McVay, if this was 10 years ago, he wouldn't be having the same success. But he's taking advantage of coming into the NFL at the perfect time and being a trailblazer for changing how the game is played. Do you agree with that? Oh, 100%. I mean, you look at the Boston Celtics with Brad Stevens, it's right. the Los Angeles Rams. That couldn't have been a better comparison. I look I look at him in the same exact regard that I look at Brad Stevens in the Cel- on the Celtics. And Brad Stevens has a little bit more time. After one or two more years with McVay, I'm going to be looking at him exactly the same as I look at Brad Stevens, where I already see Brad Stevens yep. as the, if not one of the best coaches in the league right now and will be of all time, even with Pop still coaching. So I'm going to give that same take exact thing for McVay. That was an amazing comparison. I couldn't have think or thought of a better one. And just to, to piggyback and kind of close it real quick, the, the reason why I, I believe that golf and the, the Rams aren't going to win the Super Bowl this year or make it to the Super Bowl is – Listen, McVay is going to put this Rams team in the best position possible in every single play. I believe that 100%. However, it's going to come down to a situation, no matter how good the scheme is, no matter how good the play is, when it comes to playoff football, it's going to come down to Jared Goff having to make the right decision. And I know he's going to make that mistake when that time comes. And I'm not saying that you know they can't win one with Goff, because I, I think if Goff gets a little more McVay, he'll be, he'll be fine. And he could potentially be great, but right now, 
he's still he's still still just Jared Goff. I agree with you. We'll see how that works out. The Rams' offense is crazy. The defense is a bit banged up, but definitely we'll see how that goes out through the rest of the year. The last game, the Monday night game from yesterday, Saints 43, Redskins 19. Drew Brees breaking history, passing Peyton Manning for all-time leader. What do you take from this game? To be completely honest with you, I'm I'm, I'm about a game away from putting the Washington Redskins, like offensive players, in the same category as the Buffalo Bills. I can see that too. I can I consider Alex Smith droppable. Jay Crowder has limited relevance depending on if you're facing a team that's successful against the slot or not. The running backs there, you know, Adrian Peterson always dealing with injury. That's just the Redskins curse too. If you're running back for Washington, you are required to have an injury that year. That is a requirement in your contract that you must find a way to get injured at least once throughout that year. So Adrian Peterson is, of course, taking advantage of that with a Q tag next to him pretty much every week. But what do you take from Saints players, really? Because I know it's the complete opposite end of the spectrum. The Redskins players really not putting up very exciting offense, but the Saints team, Breeze, Kamara, you just brought Ingram back here. Michael Thomas is top five receivers in the league, no doubt. Got to give him respect. So what do you take from the Saints? Because this is a team that there's a lot of options for fantasy owners. Oh, there's there's a ton. First off, congratulations to Drew Brees. Congratulations. Congrats, man. Seriously. To the, to the go. Um, congrats to congrats to New Orleans too, because he's done so much for that city. He won that Super Bowl after Katrina. Yeah. You know, there was people yep. just bawling in that stadium yesterday. You can feel it. And as a sports fan and someone who sports is one of the most important things in my life. I know it's one of the most important things in your life. I can speak for you on that. I know we both are so involved with just any kind of sports that we can get. So seeing stuff like this happen and having it happen in your lifetime and having remarkable statistics and, you know, remarkable people that you're able to actually watch. It's, you know, I just tip my hat off to that, to him, to the team, to the city, and just hope to continue to see him do more and more for the rest of his career. Cause Drew Brees is such a humble guy too. And you, how can you hate Drew Brees? Like there's no way he's just a winner and he goes out, does his job well and doesn't ever stir up trouble. So Drew Brees, just like I look at with Peyton Manning, just a class act really. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's going to be, going to be crazy when we see like 15 years from now when Mahomes is just shattering that record. <laughs> you're saying pump the brakes on the Rams. You're telling me Mahomes breaking that record already after <laughs> how many weeks? <laughs> um, speaking, but, of Mahomes, speaking of Mahomes, let me uh, piggyback into Adam's rankings. Adam actually had to run. He had to go to a personal appointment that had to move up a little bit quicker, so he jumped off the phone when we were running through the game by game, but left me with his rankings, top 10 to leave for him. He is doing the half-point PPR rankings for all. Quarterback, Patrick Mahomes is his number one quarterback this week. Tom Brady is his number two quarterback this week. Aaron Rodgers, Jameis Winston's is number four, which is very high, but he is playing the Atlanta Falcons paper-thin defense, so I can see where he's going from on that one. Uh, Matt Ryan is going to be his fifth, followed by Cam Newton, Deshaun Watson, Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, and Jared Goff. What are your comments on those rankings so far? Do you agree with any anything from that or disagree? It's risky as hell with <laughs> Jameis Winston. At four. That's a bold move. And Matt Ryan in there. Very bold. Very bold. I see where he's going with it, but it's what it, that's a game that I'll watch very closely, and here's why. It's 
if Matt Ryan can't produce against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it's time. He, he cannot produce for you as, as your starting quarterback at all. for the remainder of the season. You can't trust him as a backup. If And on the same side of it, if Jameis Winston cannot do that, then he cannot be the guy moving forward. He cannot. I don't even want to. I'll give him a backup spot just because he's coming back from suspension. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's number four is definitely a heavy ticket, but with that Falcons defense, I would put anybody, Uncle Rico, against that Falcons defense and be confident starting him in fantasy. Uh, we'll move on to running <laughs> running backs. Todd Gurley, number one for him. Zeke, number two. Melvin Gordon, three. Saquon Barkley, four. McCaffrey, five. Sony Michelle, Joe Mixon, Kareem Hunt, James White, and David Johnson. This is half-point PPR. What do you take from this? Because my initial... Thought on this is that Michelle and James White are both top 10 running backs for him this week. That must say a lot about the matchup that the Patriots are facing, considering that Brady is his number two quarterback this week. Do you think he's a little too high on the Patriots running backs? I agree with Michelle. I don't like James White as a top 10 running back, but I would say top 15, top 20 with how he's played out of the backfield. But Michelle is really starting to break out. David Johnson is a guy who's finally starting to play the way David Johnson plays. What do you take from this list? Um, obviously, I love the way David Johnson's playing, so I like that. Kind of touch on the Patriots situation. You never know what they're going to do, one, which makes them, which partially makes them so great. Right. They give Sony Michelle the ball. I, I think Michelle could have a potentially good game. I just think there's a little bit of clarity in New England for the first time in a long time, and that wasn't their intention with bringing in, of course, Hill and having Burkhead there, but having them both on IR, you don't give the ball to James White out of the backfield. You pass him the ball out of the backfield. So, you know, you don't have a guy besides Sony Michelle that has the potential to be a three-down back. So I think yep. the, the Patriots are forced to be a little bit more apparent with how they're going with their plan, a little bit more transparent than in years past. I want to make it kind of kind of clear like listen i like michelle i think he's going to be the guy moving forward yeah but i think as far as you know we're concerned james white he could be a top 10 guy this week because people get confused running backs do well against the chiefs that are guys that can catch it out of the backfield just like the falcons james, totally the same situation yeah and, and james white is that guy that catches out the backfield yes but as far as the kansas city chiefs are concerned they, they stop the run Pretty well. They haven't allowed her. No one's got no no single players rushed for over 100 yards um, against them this year. So many people don't really know that either. They think all oh, the Chiefs' run defense stinks. So Sony Michelle's gonna be that plug and play guy. He's gonna have a great game. James White is gonna have a great game unless they switch the script and Sony Michelle's been now the, the the three down back and getting the ball out of the backfield. But whoever's gonna be the pass catching back in that matchup is going to thrive because the Chiefs can't stop that, but they can stop the run. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting this week. I know the Patriots are going to put up a lot of points. I think it's going to be a shootout between those two teams. And the Patriots are actually favorited, mm-hmm. which is crazy considering how Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs have played this year. So crazy to see that they're uh, the Patriots are actually favorited, but I'm going to go with the Patriots this game and say Tom Brady takes care of business. We're going to read his wide receiver list. Odell Beckham Jr. is number one. Antonio Brown, two. Devontae Adams, three. A.J. Green, four. Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, Adam Thielen, Keenan Allen, and Jarvis Landry. Interesting list. I know Odell is finally starting to 
breakout in this Giants offense because it's finally starting to click a little bit. He actually threw a touchdown pass. I believe he's getting, going to catch a touchdown pass this week. I agree with Adam. He would be my number two wide receiver with AB as my number one this week. But what do you take from this list? The rest of them, I like, as long as Thielen's on that list, I'm happy with that. Tyreek Hill's a great player, too. No, I, I like it. Yeah, I'm okay with that list, actually. Yeah. I, had to think, I had to think about it for a second there. So let's move on to our Fire Waiver Wire segment for the end of this podcast. Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, both from the Eagles for Jay Ajayi, Alfred Blue, Jameis Winston, C.J. Bathar, Trent Taylor, Tyrell Williams, Martavius Bryant, Jalen Richard, Greg Olson, Cameron Bray, and Hayden Hurst for the Fire Waiver Wire. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Mike Ortiz Jr., thank you so much. Editor-in-Chief of Did You See That Now? Roto Assurance, thank you for sponsoring us this episode. Follow us on Twitter at FFB Unwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. You can follow Adam on Twitter at Everyday FFB. You can follow Mike on Twitter or Tease D-Y-S-T. Listen to our podcast on podcast.com as well as the Apple Podcast app. We'll catch you guys next time.